Hi friends, welcome to Mother and More, a podcast with me, Caitlin Soule. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm a wife and a mom to three kiddos. I am passionate about helping people make the changes they want to or need to make so that they can live their best life. I'm on a mission to modernize therapy, talk about mental health, motherhood, and really just life in a way that's real and helpful. In my journey to doing so, I will share stories from my own experience and tools and skills that I teach my clients in my clinical practice in hopes that you feel a little bit more inspired to lean in, to deal with the tough stuff, and revel in this beautiful, messy thing called life. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. I'm glad to be here and recording. I'm excited to share with you guys a little bit about first my experience that I had in Chicago this past week slash weekend. I was there for the American Association of Anxiety and Depression and I want to share with you what that was like for me on a personal level and then also what it was like for me on a professional level and how I'm hoping it will impact the work that I do. Um, And then I'm going to share what it was like for me flying to Chicago. So um, I basically sat on the plane having a panic attack in the middle of a panic attack. Maybe it wasn't a full-blown panic attack, but I was panicky. Um, And there's a difference, I know. And I was feeling really obviously triggered and just feeling uh, really uncomfortable. And so I... um, tried to figure out what I could do to do some grounding and for me that was sitting down and journaling so I got out my iPad and I just started typing and I'm actually going to share with you today what I wrote so what I wrote is what I was feeling Um, it was just kind of like these raw thoughts going on in my head and then it turned into me actually like keeping track of doing a thought record of what my anxious thoughts were and then responding to those anxious thoughts with thoughts that were more helpful and balanced and true. So I'm going to go ahead and share that with you today. And and I know that um, for me that's pretty vulnerable, um, but I my whole goal around this podcast or my whole hope for this podcast is to is is multifaceted, but that is really the main thing is to be able to normalize this stuff. Like normalize the fact that everybody struggles with something right and that we are complex people and that it's okay to need help it's okay to have these struggles it's okay to not be perfect and the more we can talk about this stuff in a way that's real and honest the more we can move towards living the life we want to live so I'm going to go ahead and and put my money where my mouth is today and talk about it I'm going to talk about my anxiety okay Um, before I get into that though I'm going to start with something Um, a little bit more, a little lighter. I'm going to start with what it was like for me and my husband in Chicago. I took him with me. We left the kids at home with the grandparents. Thanks to my husband's parents and my parents, the kids split the time at both places and um, they were amazing. I don't know if the kids were amazing, but our grandparents were amazing for taking them for us. Um, But it was pretty cool. I mean, I think any parent listening knows um, that it's pretty rare to get away for a long period of time without the kids unless you travel frequently which we don't Um, in fact the last time we traveled together without the kids well it was last year for a wedding but I was pregnant and it was pretty difficult um, for me at that time because um, there was a lot of stuff going on in life Um, and I just felt like I couldn't really relax and enjoy it Um, actually the northern california wildfires 
maybe that was two years ago, were going on um, in my hometown and my parents nearly lost their house. And um, I just had a really hard time, obviously, kind of like leaning in and relaxing. And so um, since then, we hadn't traveled. And so going to Chicago was uh, really our first time traveling together, kid-free or non-pregnant since our honeymoon. And let me tell you, it was so cool. Um, going to a city, I don't know if, you, if you've experienced this, but going to a city that neither one of you or your partner have ever been to, there's something so like adventurous and romantic about that. It was really just like we, we were on like kind of even playing field. It wasn't like he knew more about it than I did or I knew more about it than he did. We were just these like lost people in this big city and we're just kind of down to try everything. So obviously I had a lot of meetings. So a lot of the days were taken up um, by me being in meetings and then he would just go wander around like all over the city. But pretty much I was done by three-ish every day and so we still had a lot of time to do exploring. So some of my favorite parts of Chicago were, um, was the fact that it's so walkable, I would say, is we just walked everywhere and we actually felt really safe. I am aware that it has, I think it has the highest homicide rate, rate in the country, but we felt really safe not to downplay any of that. I'm just telling you what my experience was. Um, maybe we're naive. Um, but also the food was amazing the people were so friendly like ridiculously friendly and I don't know oh the architecture that was the other thing the architecture was so cool and apparently I maybe I'm just like way behind on the game on this I'm not a big architecture like I don't know a lot about it but um we did this uh architecture tour throughout the river that runs through the city and it gave us just like context of the history of the city and why the city is built the way that it is and we did it the first day we were there actually before any of my meetings started and I'm so glad we did um but yeah the architecture there is breathtaking lots of beauty in that city it was really cool so highly recommend Chicago I'm glad we went um and it just on a relationship level for me and my husband, I kind of spoke to this a little bit before, was just so um, refreshing to be able to spend time together without the um, sort of hustle and bustle of life with kids or just life with responsibilities. So um, to be able to just be with each other and remember what it is that drew us together I think that's so important and I really didn't realize how important it was um or remember how important it was I should say until having this weekend together to just be with each other and have fun with each other and be silly and be ridiculous and um just be like kids again so it was a great experience uh, we're gonna try and you know do this yearly where we get to travel together for a couple days at a time um, without the kids because I think that's really important yes it was hard it was hard for me um, to be away from the kids and probably my husband too but I definitely tend to like vocalize it more um, 
But um, the fact that it was so hard for me last year when we were in Hawaii for our wedding, um, as I spoke to earlier, made me really actually want to make it better this time and made me do a lot of thinking about what it is that I struggle with so much being away from the kids. Like, was it about them? Was it about me? And really what it boiled down to is I'm going to tie it in here a minute. It comes down to the same thing that I don't like about being on a plane. It's this idea that I don't have control. No, not that I'm like some control freak who cares about like, you know, what they wear to like school. Sorry, I shouldn't have said control freak. That was kind of judgy, but I'm not some over-controlled, I'm not an over-controlled person who cares about um, the little details, but just like, I guess I have this sort of, which I think a lot of us do, this illusion that um, our presence or being there um, can Um, ensure that like sort of bad or dangerous things don't happen so for me it's really about letting go of that and trusting Um, our kids are lucky to have the most amazing grandparents on both sides that are so capable of taking care of these three young children four three and one Um, so I don't worry about their safety when they're with them but it's just this idea of like letting go and allowing somebody else to care for them um is is difficult and then actually just physically and emotionally missing them like missing the you know their cheeks and their little voices and their touch and their the funny little things they say so that part is always difficult but like I said what like once we were there enjoying each other's company and and just having such a good time it made me kind of um focus on a new thought which is how much these kids can benefit and really all of our kids can benefit from being in a family where the parents are healthy, where the parents love each other, where the parents have fun together, where the parents model what it looks like to really be in a mutual loving relationship. And in order for that to happen, um, we need to take the time and put to put work into that relationship. So yes, we were lucky enough to be able to go, you know, fly fly thousands of miles to go do that this past weekend. You don't have to fly thousands of miles to do that. But just reminded me of the importance of putting in the time as a couple without the kids um, to focus on what makes you you and what makes you love each other. So all right, I'll get off that for <laughs> for a little bit and go into um quickly um the professional takeaway from this conference. For me, the big two big professional takeaways, I got to see Dr. Reed Wilson speak. Um, sorry, Dr. Reed Wilson speak, who's one of my favorite psychologists. He's written tons of books. He has a great website, which has a ton of free resources on it called anxieties, plural, anxieties.com. Check it out. Um, I've talked about him before. Anyways, I went to his um, workshop um, on dealing with the anxious moment. So really what it was all about was helping our clients shift from a place of just kind of tolerating anxiety and accepting it so that they can get better because, um, you know, they don't want to feel that way anymore to actually teaching them to get an attitude when it comes to, to anxiety. I talk about, I talk about that in my work as well. But this idea that you have to want these anxious moments, like you have to ask for them and bring them on in order to shift your relationship with anxiety. So that's what it's all about. It's not so much about the content of the worry. In fact, it's not about the content. Um, Interesting as I'll go into how that affected me on the airplane. It's not about the content. It's about our relationship with the anxiety and our resistance to feeling uncomfortable. 
if we didn't care, in other words, if we didn't have those sort of um, negative or adverse feelings to feeling anxious or being worried, anxiety disorders would not exist. So that is why um, his work is so cool. It's all about helping people change their relationship with worry and anxiety and learn to ask for it so that they can get to where they want to go. So you pick a value or you pick some sort of like, I believe he calls it the outcome picture, which I love the outcome picture. Like, so say, kind of put yourself in this right now. There's something in your life you're struggling with. Maybe you're having a lot of anxiety around or um, you're feeling depressed about and you're just feeling really unmotivated to change or maybe you want to change but you don't know how to get there. It just takes too much work, right? And then I want you to take a minute to visualize an outcome picture. So meaning like when I get through this work, or when I'm on the other side of this, what will be there for me? What will life look like? What will be better? There has to be a reason, in other words, to do this difficult work of, of anxiety treatment or getting better from anxiety or depression. So um, for me, I, I'll, uh, you know, I'll be honest, my outcome picture with, um, with me wanting to get over my anxiety around flying is that I want to just be more free. I want to be able to do things and go places um, without um, feeling limited, without feeling limited, without letting fear control me, period. I want to make choices. I don't want fear to make my choices. That's my outcome picture. Okay, so it's really cool. Check it out. Read Wilson. You can Google him, anxieties.com. Such great stuff. He also has a really cool free app called the Anxiety Challenger, which um, is really helpful for um, kind of a self-help anxiety app. Um, teaching you how to take this more um, bring it on sort of attitude towards anxiety. Then the second takeaway for me from this conference and probably the biggest one is I went to this uh, um, really inspiring talk about maternal mental health care, pre and postpartum anxiety, in other words, um, was the focus of this. And the talk was really about how little research has been done in the field of pre and postpartum anxiety. So a postpartum depression gets a lot of attention, which it should. It's a big issue. But pre and postpartum anxiety is also equally um, as, as prevalent and, and equally as dangerous to mom and to baby and to our well-being. So um, it was all about... Um, the lack of the lack of research first sadly um, there's very little research there's just some recent research I believe called the fourth trimester project which is really cool you should check it out um, but basically how that how that affects women is that on a large scale OBGYNs um, aren't focusing on other than like these short questionnaires they give whether or not mom is doing okay all the focus is on if baby is doing okay i get it that's their their training is um, doctors are meant to care for the pregnant woman the baby but here's the, the the bigger picture if we're looking at it on the bigger picture is that if mom's mentally not okay if mom's experiencing anxiety mom doesn't have the tools to know what to do with that anxiety then ultimately like clearly that doesn't just affect her it also affects the baby and so um there's such a, a need in 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 all of these fields in the medical field in the psychology field in the nursing field in the you know um 
midwife, midwifery, midwifery field to be able to shift focus onto mom's mental health and care about mom. Let's do better around that. Um, so it was really inspiring to me to hear all that information and then to realize that I actually um, can offer more treatment um, in this area by um, trying to reach out to different OB's office or different medical centers and talk about how cognitive behavioral therapy can help women who are feeling anxious, pre, uh, whether it's in their fertility journey or whether it's prepartum or postpartum and help give them the tools they need and then also give the doctors tools they need to understand what anxiety is like and how to talk to um, women about anxiety. I mean, it, it's usually like this um, questionnaire they give you like, or they come and talk to you while you're in the hospital. And oftentimes women have just had major surgery. Um, they're always or most always like still in a lot of physical pain or bleeding or just like experiencing a lot of hormonal drops and um, are being asked these like very big questions like how do you feel right now? How, like, And it's just not the right time. What we need is more follow-up. We need just like the baby has and, and I'll get off my soapbox here in a minute but just like babies have the week checkup and the two-week checkup and the eight-week checkup, women aren't getting that and they should. And just to put it in perspective, um, uh, our country, the United States is one of the worst at this, at maternal mental health care, if not the worst, um, not the worst, one of the worst. Um, France is totally getting it right, um, that you can check out what they do for maternal mental health care. Um, but yeah, we really could do better. We need to do better. So I know that change starts with us. It starts with each, each individual person. I love working with women. I love working with anxiety. So I felt like, great, this is really um, kind of that call to action that I needed to move towards um, opening up my practice to women who are struggling with pre and postpartum anxiety and depression and also going out there and talking to um, different medical centers and doctors about how they can improve their um, their patients' access to mental health care. Okay, so let me get to the part where I talk about what it was like for me when I experienced my own almost panic attack, I'll call it. So just to kind of um, to put it in perspective for you or to help you understand sort of where I am on the spectrum of anxiety, because I think it's important that we recognize that there is a spectrum of anxiety. I'm going to talk about it in when I read you my, my journal that I wrote on the plane or my sort of like free writing that I wrote on the plane. Um, so that we have one end of the spectrum that is like totally non-anxious, not much um, gets them excited or anxious or worried. Then we have middle and then obviously far, you know, far into the spectrum, we have anxiety disorder. I'd say I ride on the middle towards the anxiety disorder. So I don't have a disorder, but I'd say I'm riding that fine line on the middle, right? And I don't live my life anxious. So meaning on a day to day, I don't have, I don't have generalized anxiety, um, but I do have some triggers for anxiety. I think we all do, but my two big ones I'll just say are um, health-related concerns and flying. Those are my two biggest ones and, and, and leaving the kids, so probably some separation anxiety. Um, so without taking too much time talking about that, like diagnosing myself as I'm just saying that, I'm like, maybe I do have generalized anxiety. No, I don't. 
I luckily also have some really good tools on how to work through my anxiety so it doesn't affect my daily functioning until I'm on an airplane. And that's what I'm going to talk about because, man, that was a whole nother ball game. All right, so without further ado, I am going to read you my random bunch of thoughts that I wrote down on the airplane, my journaling exercise, if you will, that was meant to be a grounding exercise, and it was. It actually ended up being um, really successful in helping me to calm down. So imagine me sitting on an airplane in the middle row. As you know, on an airplanes these days do not have a lot of room. Um, I mean, I was on the middle seat, my husband's to the left of me and a stranger, a nice man from Dallas, Texas, who I got to talk with for quite a while, um, was sitting to the right of me. And as I was ferociously typing and they're both staring at me like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? Um, so here it goes. What it's like inside the sometimes anxious mind of a therapist. I spend a lot of time talking and guiding other people through the way in which they experience and then behave in response to their emotions, both by trade and nature. I'm a nurturer, a giver, a steady hand, a voice of reason, a place of calm. And then here comes my confession. Sometimes my head is a mess, filled with what ifs, worst case scenarios, a desire to over plan and over control, hesitation, should haves and could haves. I struggle with anxiety too, and I think it's important, perhaps most important, for professionals to take part in normalizing mental health by talking about it more openly. As I sit next to my husband on this plane, I am so obviously reminded of the truth, which is for whatever reason, not all people know what it feels like to be anxious. Okay, so to be fair, he's been anxious before, but it's in response to situations that rationally call for an anxious response like doing an interview or taking a test or watching me bring our children into the world. But even then he was pretty even keeled. Not much gets to him, even running into burning buildings. And not much moves him off his mark. I know everybody has their different crosses to bear, but anxiety isn't one of his. God bless him. He's often my voice of reason, my reminder to stay in the moment, my vision of calm, my sounding board, and the reason for my smile even when I'm feeling afraid. You see, there, there is a reason I say he doesn't take away my worries because that's not possible. There is simply not one person or no one person that can take away our anxiety. It just doesn't work that way. Sure, they can offer support, they can give insight, but you and only you, just like me and only me, can make ourselves feel better. And the only way out of this terrible game of anxiety is through right through the mud, the mess, the shit, whatever else you want to call it. I don't struggle with anxiety on a day-to-day basis like so many others do, but for me, it's triggered by specific events or situations. So today, I face one of my biggest challenges, flying on an airplane thousands of miles away from my three small children. Both flying and being away from my children for days at a time are big triggers for my anxiety. As I laid in bed last night and got ready to leave, I tossed and turned and felt this overarching sense that something was wrong. It was that general feeling of fear that takes over your mind, your body, and unfortunately your sleep. 
This is a type of anxiety that I am lucky enough not lucky enough not to experience often, but many of my clients experience that kind of anxiety on a daily, momentary basis. I don't wish that feeling on anyone, but here's what I do know. That anxiety is here to teach me something. It's here to make me practice what I preach, to put the tools I teach into action, and to gain a greater empathy for what the brave people I work with so relentlessly experience. I want to share these unedited automatic anxious thoughts that that are going through my head right now as, as I sit here on this plane and then as I laid in bed last night and how I worked through them to create more helpful and true thoughts. I can't say that I'm not still feeling anxious sitting here on this plane. In fact, I'm feeling really panicky, but I can say that I'm doing something that is so freeing. I'm letting these thoughts just be here. I'm visualizing these anxious thoughts as pesky little voices, speaking fear into my brain and then responding to them with the brave truth. So here are my thoughts. The first one, anxious thought. What if something happens to the kids while we're gone? I won't be there to help them or hold them or problem solve with them. Brave truth. We are leaving the kids with their grandparents who are capable and loving adults. It's good for the kids to learn to listen to other trusted adults to allow them to help navigate through tough stuff and they are more resilient than I realize. Anxious thought. What if they fall into the pool? Brave thought. They are with their grandparents who are capable and loving adults who know how to care for them. Anxious anxious thought, the kids are going to be sad and miss us and won't understand why we're going away. Brave truth, they might miss us, but our love transcends space and time. It's good for my husband and I to have time away together, to focus on the relationship relationship that sets the tone for our family's emotional health and well-being. Also, it's good for them to see their mom doing things that are outside the spectrum of motherhood like going to a professional development course or conference. Anxious thought. They don't have Kaiser where we're going. What if I get sick? This one's a little embarrassing. (laughs) Brave truth. You are resourceful. If you needed to, you could go to another health clinic. It's not a big deal. Anxious thought. What if this plane goes down? Brave, Brave truth. And I had that thought, by the way, multiple times throughout this, this flight. What if this plane goes down? Brave truth. You have absolutely zero control of that, and it's highly unlikely. You might as well sit back, breathe, and enjoy the ride. There is freedom in letting go and welcoming what will be. Anxious thought. Oh my God, turbulence. You, brave truth, again. You have absolutely zero control of the safety of this plane. It's highly unlikely something bad will happen. You might as well sit back, breathe, and enjoy the ride. There is freedom in letting go and welcoming what will be. Notice I repeated that helpful thought because it was the same, it was the same uh, content of worry. I wanted to share these thoughts with you, even though it may seem out of the ordinary for a therapist to do so, because I want to show you two things. One, that anxiety and struggle are part of being human and anxiety and struggle does not discriminate. Two, creating more balance and helpful thoughts is extremely powerful. So that's it. Those are my raw, unedited anxious thoughts in the form of a journal that I wrote while I was on the plane. 
Another thing I did that I didn't like talk about in my journal is I actually did some um, mindfulness exercise once I was able to calm down because it's really hard. Um, I know mindfulness is a big ticket item these days and there's a lot of therapists talking about it and I think I happen to think it's great but I also happen to know um, that it is not it's really hard to access when you're feeling highly anxious or especially in the middle of a panic attack or panicky um, moment. It's really hard to access mindfulness until you're really good and practiced at it. Um, and in fact, that's still hard. So there's this incongruency with our, um, uh, physical arousal and then trying to like go into a mindfulness or visualization space, visual visualization space. So, um, once all that to say is once I was able to calm down and wasn't feeling quite as physically aroused and my blood pressure probably wasn't as high and I wasn't as sweaty and, I, my, I allowed those brave or helpful thoughts to sink in. Then I went into doing some visualization and I pictured myself in a peaceful place, which for me is always in the water or near the ocean or in the sand. Um, and it was really relaxing and calming and just allowed me to like nicely enter out of that um, panicky state and welcome um, this new state, which actually ended up being me watching, um, no, I listened to my book. I listened to my book on uh, on audio, whatever it's called. I listened to my book and I had a good rest of the flight. So that's it, my, my thoughts, there they are, my journal. I wonder what came up for you as you heard this. I wanna move into that for a minute. Did you notice a theme in my worries? I did, as I mentioned it before, the underlying fear of flying and also leaving the kids is underlying that is the loss of control. If I really think about it, we have so little control over the outcome of most things in life and yet most of the time we handle that pretty well. But for me, flying is this very obnoxious, obvious representation in my face reality of the very little control that I have. It's like an unveiling of this illusion of control. So what are the underlying themes of your worries? Think about this week. Think about that this week. Is it fear around losing control? Or is it a fear of being shamed or seen or judged or imperfect? Not good enough. If we can find the underlying themes or identify our core fears, we can get a better perspective behind the why on our worries make more sense of them, and then learn to get the strength we need to face them head on and say, bring it on, anxiety, bring it on, you piece of shit, whatever you need to say, I've got this. But first we have to understand what is the common ground, what is the core fear, what is the theme. Look, nobody asks for or wants anxiety. Although for me, feeling anxious on the plane and getting through it has reminded me of something really important about anxiety. It helps us develop a sense of grit, courage, and increases our creativity. So we don't start off asking for or wanting anxiety, but we have to learn to. In fact, that's exactly what we need to do. Because it allows us to develop a stronger sense of self, a stronger sense of like, I got through that. I did that. I can do really hard things. You see, it had been a while since I had done something that kicked up anxiety in the way that flying does for me. And I had to enlist my grit to pull me through and engage the creative part of my brain to come up with coping and courage thoughts. And that was so cool. I look back at that now and I'm so glad I was challenged because it allowed me to know what it feels like to struggle again. 
And there is so much beauty in struggle. There is so much to be learned in struggle and so much growth that is allowed when we struggle. So if you do one thing this week, I encourage you to think about struggle a little bit different. Maybe that struggle is anxiety for you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's just a situation you're going through in life. Try and think about that struggle a little bit different. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it sucks. No, you didn't ask for it. But maybe, just maybe, there's something to be learned in it. And not necessarily some greater meaning like everything happens for a reason. No, not that. But something to be learned about your grit, your strength, your ability to get through really hard things. And then come out on the other side and do really cool things. So that's all I have. Um, as always, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what your thoughts were on this, this episode, what resonated with you and yeah, go out there and have a beautiful day and, uh, cheers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Mother and More. If you like what you heard here, please take a moment to go on iTunes and subscribe. Either write a review or share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram with which episode you liked and maybe what you got from it. My Instagram name is at mother underscore more. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested in finding out more about the kind of work I do or even working with me one-on-one via remote or in-person sessions, you can check out my website, which is therapywithcaitlin.com. Cheers. Thank you.